Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tipsy Ghost. We're your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. So I saw something on TikTok, and I want to ask you guys the same question. Uh-oh. Because okay. it really resonated with me. Ooh. Do you, and if so, how do you picture the 12 months of the year? Do you, do you picture mean? that in your brain? Like when you think of a calendar, like yeah. a year's worth of months, do you have like an image that comes to mind whenever you think about it? Uh, like do you visualize months yes. or anything like that? I visualize the month starting at January, ending at December. Mm-hmm. What does it look like? A straight line. A straight line. What does yours look like? I, I don't know if I really understand the question. I mean, January to December, yeah, but... I don't, I don't know what you mean by visualize. The no months. picture. Like if you think about like, oh, I need I need something to happen in April. Mm-hmm. April doesn't have a spot on a timeline for you. You don't picture anything in your head. No, I picture like a, like on my, it sounds dumb, but like on my apps on my phone, the calendar, like I picture like the April with the 30 day thing. Just like a a grid of it, like a calendar of it. Do you picture multiple months together, like an entire year's worth of months? No. Month by month. Fascinating. Why? What does this mean? Psychoanalyze me. No, I don't think that, I don't know that it means anything. I think that people have put names to it, people that can visualize months and like full calendars. So whenever I think about months, like any month that comes to mind, my 12 months are in like an oval, kind of like a track. And my January starts at the bottom and then it goes around to the right, kind of counterclockwise. And they even have colors associated with each month. Hmm. So like anytime, so your January starts at the bottom in the middle. And then should I think about August, it's kind of at the sort of one or two o'clock area. And then it just keeps going. People have thought about this too much. I've literally never thought about this in my okay, life. Okay, but this TikTok. But it is interesting. We say because mine's in a straight line. So whatever month I'm at, like January is always at the beginning. Right. But now we're in February. So I know that. And if I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to plan something for August. I think in my head down a straight line. Yes. Down to August. Yes. And a picture of what I'm doing down here. How many months away that is. Right. There's a name for it. I don't remember what it is, but Ooh. I looked at the comments in that TikTok and there were so many people visualize these things so many different ways. And there's also a large group of people that just do not visualize. I, the I year. honestly don't visualize the year months by months like that. I just thought it was fascinating mm-hmm. and I knew that we would all have different answers. So <laughs> I want to know what it means. I, if I find that TikTok again, I will send it to you. I probably yeah, won't want it, to know. Okay. <laughs> no, that dead. is our love language. It's very hurtful. I am sorry. That's rude. I'm sorry. I am very selective of the things that I send you. I don't send you just random things anymore. I try to watch all the ones that you send me. I do. Because my uh, husband's the same way. You literally just said, I will not watch it. I said, I probably no, won't watch you it. You said you won't. <laughs> and then in a try. later sentence, you said, I want try to watch the ones he sent I try. Us. I honestly try. Because my husband gets on me for the same thing. He's like, do you watch the TikTok I sent you? I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> but I try. Okay, well, try harder. All right. I'm going to talk to you guys. So I... Ooh, thank talk, you. Talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to think of like how to set this up. I'd be sad if you didn't talk to me. Because I don't, so this is our smorgasbord episode, but I don't really know how to categorize this other than just like 
We're going to talk about one of the most fascinating people groups in the U.S. Or not in the U.S. People groups. I said that. All right. Groups Rewind. of people. We're going to talk about one of the most, I think, interesting people groups in the world, and that is the Sentinelese. Have you heard of this people group? I have not. And also, are you talking about like a group of people? It is a group of people on an island. So they are called the Sentinelese. They live on North Sentinel Island. Yes. Oh, I love this. Yes, tell me all okay. about it. So this is on North Sentinel Island in the Andaman Islands. So it is in the Bay of Bengal by India. So it is Indian government, technically. Okay. Yeah, I do know then. For some reason, I thought you said in in the u.s so i was like what no not in the u.s yes. by india okay um so it's about 64 kilometers west of the andaman capital port blair and like i said it is in the bay of bengal i did not do a powerpoint for you guys but i do have some pictures so that is where it is thank you i appreciate that you're welcome it's so that way you know where it is that's where that giant tsunami was several years ago yes we we're going to talk about the tsunami in 2004 <laughs> Okay, random bits of knowledge. Yes, I am impressed that you remember that. Hell yeah, I do. Good job. All right, so the island is about 59.67 square kilometers, so think of it as the size of Manhattan. I've been there once. <laughs> Couldn't tell you how so big So just it Manhattan. Feels small. Not Bronx, not Brooklyn, not all of that, but okay. just the size of Manhattan. Okay. okay. So what's fascinating, though, about this people group is that the people who live on this island are pretty much as removed from the world and society as you can imagine. Right. They are designated as a particularly vulnerable tribal group, in quotes, and a scheduled tribe and have refused any interaction with the outside world and are extremely hostile. Yeah. Very hostile. Very hostile. To protect themselves. To protect yeah. themselves, yes. Yeah. So the population, it's estimated right now to be between 50 to 200. It has been estimated to be as low as 15 and as high as 500, but most people agree it's between that 50 to 200 range. There's been several attempts at conducting a census. Mm -hmm. um, going as far back as 1971, they estimated it had about 82 people on the island. 1981, they said it may be about 100. 1986, 98. 2001, um, it dropped down to 21 men and 18 women. 2004, after that tsunami, it was about 32. And 2005, it was about 13. Um, 2011, about 12 males and three females were counted. And 2014, they said they had six females, seven males, and three kids that were under the age of four. How are they counting them? Uh, they are doing it by aerial. By views. drone. That's what I was wondering. Well, probably now by drone, but yeah. way back then. They were doing helicopter views oh, and they would. That. that was like 2004. <laughs> 1971. Oh, when they first I started. Said 2004. <laughs> 2014 was the last one. Yeah. Okay. But yes, helicopter aerial views. Um, they would also kind of ride in a boat around the. Got it. Yeah. So the Sentinelese, they have been described as being between 5'3 and 5'5, five five, and they call this an island effect which means that they possibly have some insular dwarfism due to genetic heritage. They're all inbreeding uh, due to their nutrition, which is obviously limited being on the island. They also say that they have, quote, dark, shining black skin and appear to be pretty much in well health, like muscle. They're pretty muscular. They're pretty lean. Like there was no obese or overweight individuals that they have seen. Sure. So the Sentinelese, they are a group of indigenous people in voluntary isolation. In voluntary. So that not like they're <laughs> in they're choosing yes, they to are be. Choosing. Yes. I realized that was confusing when I said it out loud. 
So they are designated, like I said, as a particular vulnerable tribal group. They are one of the six native and reclusive people of the Andaman and Nicobar Islands. However, of those six tribes, they are the only one that has refused any interaction with the outside world. They are very hostile to outsiders and have even killed people who approach their island. All right, so they are hunter-gatherers. They use bows, they use arrows to hunt for food. They also use various methods to catch seafood, such as mollusks and mud crabs. Um, there has been no sign that they plant anything. They don't participate in agriculture. They're pretty much naked, but they wear bark strings with daggers that are tucked into their waist belts, and sometimes they wear necklaces and headdresses or headbands. Okay. They live in small huts that have been erected on four poles with leaf-covered roofs. They love metal, and I'll kind of get to this later, but they have been provided metal by people in the past, and they use it to help create tools and weapons. So they have made canoes, and they use these to fish, um, but they use long poles to kind of propel themselves. Like, they don't have paddles. They don't have oars or anything like that. Um, so poles that reach the bottom that they can move forward with. Mm-hmm. That's okay. how they propel themselves. They also use, um, there's been some geometric designs that have been seen on their weapons, so like hieroglyphics kind of stuff. Mm. Okay. The women have been noted to be dancing by slapping both palms on their thighs while tapping their feet rhythmically in a bent knee stance. Ooh. Okay. There are quite a few islands around that area that have tribes, and they do have some similarities to these tribes, such as the Onga people and the Adamese tribes and the Jarwas. Similarities such like as in their bow and arrows and their patterns, how they prepare their food, their design of their canoes, things like that, but none of them share the same language. So because of how isolated they are, we really don't know anything about their language. Um, It's considered, quote, unintelligible. Just because we don't know it. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Mm-hmm. They understand it just fine. Yeah, they understand it amongst themselves. Yeah. All right, so we're going to start talking about the visits that have occurred there. Okay. Uh, 1771 was the first time that the island was observed with lights on it, but nobody ever investigated. So that's as old as... They had lights on Like fire? Like fire. Okay. But that's like as old as our country. So they've been there oh, for thousands it. of yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Five years before. Hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> Hundreds. So Who knows? I, they may have been there for... I phrased that wrong, yes. Anthropolog- anthrop. It's okay. Take your time. Anthropological? Anthropology? Anthropologists. Anthropologists. Anthropologists theorize that they have been there for thousands and thousands of years. And it's actually fascinating because one of the reasons I think they've been there so long is because turtles are scared of them. Man. Like they've been hunted before? And they Ah. say that turtles, like, this is not, like, a quick reaction. Like, this is learned over thousands of years for them to be afraid of them. So they think they've been there for thousands of years. Okay. Isn't that interesting how they can learn that from turtle behavior? Just so interesting. It yes. has some kind of um, turtle communication. Yeah. But they said like turtles they are not like... the turtles and question them. They're oh, not yeah. creatures who like all of a sudden are afraid of something. Like it takes thousands of years for evolution for them to develop that. I'm pretty suspicious of what's inside the shell. Mm. I think that there's a lot <laughs> of turtle. A, a lot of knowledge in there. Yeah, like a brain. Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously they have brains. Brain. But that's their second brain. In the, under the shell. Oh, okay, gotcha. That's and their they speak like the ancestry brain. What's the one from Nemo? Oh, uh, the dude. That's yeah. um, crap. 
I know. Starts with an S. Steve. No. no. Scott. No, it's like scuba blade or shade or something cool like that oh God, please hold on shell no crush 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 it doesn't start with an s but that's okay i was close Slade <laughs> is very close thank you anyways they all have a crush voice is what i was crush. going for i don't know man just trying to kill me and stuff just ride the wave just rode the wave over there all right, we're going to fast forward to 1867. <laughs> She's had enough of our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Over us. The turtles. 1867, there was a monsoon in October of that year, and an Indian merchant vessel was swept off course and landed in the reef off of the North Sentinel Island. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. The passengers and the crew, they reached the beach safely, but they were very quickly assaulted by a group of naked, short-haired, red-painted islanders with arrows. Yeah, they were not having it. They were on their island. They were not. It's like, get off. They protect that island at all costs. <laughs> they really do. Yes. So Don't you wonder what, like, in their language, what they're passing on to their children to pass on about, like, outsiders? I mean, I will say that we have not been the nicest to them over the years. So oh, I'm sure. probably all learned behavior as well. Historically, yeah. <laughs> we, we are, are not, not nice people. Yeah. The captain fled in the ship's boat. That's nice. The captain left. Uh, <laughs> he left his people, his crew, and stuff. Whatever happened to you, I will go down with this ship. He Come did on. not. He will put his flag up and surrender. <laughs> he did not. So he um, was found days later by a brig and by the Royal Navy, and they sent a rescue party to the island and discovered that the survivors had all survived. They had repelled the attackers with sticks and stones. Because they, they break, break the bones. The bones. I yes. knew you guys were going to say something. <laughs> I mean, good for them. Yeah, because they did what they had to do. Did they? Hmm, I wonder what they did. Like, stayed together on the beach and just waited? Probably. Mm-hmm. They probably, like, took turns staying awake all day and all night. But like, and if someone approached, they would start throwing how things. scary for everybody. Oh, gosh. I can't imagine. I can only imagine what the people <laughs> on the island thought about this. Us. If they have no idea, like, what the boat is, first of all. Like, if it crashes on their island, what it's bringing, you know. That is the first, no- like, first thing documented in yeah. history as contact with them. Ugh. Probably very scary on both sides. Mm-hmm. So just a few short years later, that was 1867, in 1880... Um, the Royal Navy sends an officer named Maurice Vital Portman, and he led an armed group of Europeans and Andamese trackers, so one of the tribes that's nearby, mm. and they had already befriended this tribe, so they thought, hey, maybe bringing people from this other tribe will make them feel more welcome. So the islanders, when they approached, fled to the tree line. Um, the crew searched for them for several days but could not find them. They did find abandoned villages and paths that had been forged. Um, Eventually, they did find and take six people with them, which was an elderly man, an elderly woman, and four children. Hmm. Pretty quickly after they arrived in Port Blair, the man and woman died of illness because... They're completely isolated. Yeah. Completely isolated and have never been exposed to any human disease. Yeah. The Royal Navy realized their mistake pretty quickly and brought the children back to the island before they could get sick as well. Oops. Um, and they brought a lot of gifts to basically say, like, hey, we're sorry we took these people from you. We didn't mean to kill them, but we did. <laughs> but we did. Take so some sorry. metal. They've probably never encountered the common cold. No. 
Um, but then also, like, do you think that those kids got anything and brought it back to the island? It did say that the kids started to get sick, so that's when they brought them back before they could die, too. God. <laughs> sorry we got them sick, too. We just want to give you all the disease that we have. I'm so sorry. Welcome to our disease. Yes. <laughs> Here you are. Find your own inoculation. We know you tried to avoid this at all costs, really, mm-hmm. but... Oh, um, okay. <laughs> turds. Got it. Turds. <laughs> we are turds. We are turds. We usual. are sorry. Listen, we are not nice. Um, so Portman, that Royal Navy officer, he visited the island several times over the years. Again, just trying to establish friendly relations and that he would leave gifts every single time. In 1896, a convict escaped from the Grand Andaman Island on a makeshift raft that he had made. And he drifted by accident into the North Sentinel waters. Uh-huh. Uh, his body was later discovered by a search party with several arrow piercings and a cutthroat. Oh, they were not even going to risk it. They're like, listen, sir, we know that you look like a shady guy. <laughs> they didn't give a fuck. They saw a body <laughs> on, a, on a raft. raft, And they were like, nope. Nope, not having it. Nope. In 1899, a chief commissioner of the Andaman and Nicobar Islands, uh, Richard Karnak Temple, he reported that he went to the island to capture fugitives from other islands because they were all trying to escape, and he found that they had all been killed by the Sentinelese. Him and his party had to retreat pretty quickly when they saw that they were being approached with bows and arrows, and they were like, okay, fugitives are killed, my job is done. Interesting. He also tried uh, repeatedly to establish friendly contact, but they responded pretty aggressively with him. And he said, quote, the Sentinelese were a tribe which slays every stranger, however inoffensive, on sight, whether a forgotten member of itself, of another Andamanese tribe, or a complete foreigner. I wonder if when those kids came back that they were sick. And, like, who knows what happened? Mm -hmm. Like, maybe they went ahead and killed the kids because they were sick. And so then they just decided, that's my guess, that they decided then and they're like, it don't matter. We're going to kill everybody. Anybody who comes here will make us sick. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and also these people took two elderly people from them and they never returned. Yeah. So over the years, we have tried to conduct a census. And by we, I mean the Indian government. But they have either been chased off of the island or have found that the islanders retreat back into the forest as soon as anybody gets close to the waters. In 1911, they were counted as a standalone group for the first time on the uh, census. In 1956, the Indian government officially declared the island a tribal reserve and prohibited travel within three nautical miles of it. Okay. They also have a constant armed patrol in the surrounding waters to prevent any intrusions by outsiders and photography is prohibited. Okay. I'm going to say that with a caveat because there has been photos taken since then. Right. Yeah. Prohibited. Prohibited. <laughs> I've I seen like, them. They're kind of scary. They, they are, are scary. scary. So T.N. Pandit, he is going to be one of the guys we talk about. And he is pretty cool. He is an Indian anthropo- anthropologist anthropologist, um, who worked for the Anthropological Survey of India. And he first led a group of about 20 people to the island in 1967. And he does this repeatedly into the 90s. So he is probably one of the best people to talk to because he knows this island and these people very well. 
So the governor and the armed forces and other naval personnel were also included in this group, which fascinates me that they sent a governor to yeah. this very hostile island. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds safe. So they intended to explore the island and again try to befriend the Sentinelese. Um, this was the first visit by a professional anthropologist. So they were watching from the ocean in their little ship through binoculars, and they would see several clusters of sentinelese along the coast. But as soon as they got close, they would retreat into the forest whenever they would try to get close to them. So they followed their footprints. They found 18 huts made from grass that still had fires burning and other signs of life. They found raw honey, skeletal remains of pigs, wild fruits, spears, bows and arrows, baskets, fishing nets, bamboo pots, and wooden buckets. So it sounds like they live off of pigs, fish, mm-hmm. and honey, honey, and fruit, and oh, fruit. Yeah, fruit. fruit. Oh, so were they hmm, Wait, do growing they have, the fruit? They have bees. They must Questions. if they have raw honey. Wow. It was obvious that they had metal working skills as well because some of their arrows were tipped with metal. They noticed, so they left gifts and then left, not having any contact with the people. So the government. At this point is like we have to do something they know how isolated that the people are there and they fear that if people failed to claim like if they failed to claim control of them and say that these were protected people that all the mercenaries who took refuge in the islands around that area would basically cause them to die out because they would go to the island they would bring disease things like that So in 1970, a stone tablet was erected at an isolated spot of the island that declares that the island is officially part of India. And then in 1974, National Geographic gets involved into the chat. Oh, not Nat Geo. Nat Geo is like, listen, we got to get in on this. We need to know. We need to know what these people who have avoided... right. (laughs) They've avoided people (laughs) in civilization. It is our right to know all the things as people, as Nat Geo. We are Nat Geo. Yeah. And we do what we want. That's exactly what they thought. So they send a film crew. Yeah. That's what Nat Geo does. First mistake. So they send it with a team of anthropologists, including Pandit Mm -hmm. and armed police. So they came with weapons and they intended to film a documentary called Man in Search of Man. Okay. Wow. Cute. clever. (laughs) Love it. Um, That could be a dating game show now (laughs) man in search of man yeah i would watch that (laughs) so they planned to spend three days on this island and they brought lots of gifts again because again we're trying to establish friendly contact but when their boat approached it did not go well i'm guessing not the sentinelese emerged from the jungle and shot arrows at them the crew was at a safe point on the coast, and they left gifts in the sand, um, including a miniature plastic car. What? I don't know why. Like a Hot Wheels? I was thinking like, like, a, thinking like a toy car. Okay. They knew th- maybe because they knew there was kids on the island. Oh, okay. Oh. okay. I don't know, but like, can you imagine these people who know nothing like, what about the, the outside world, <laughs> and they see this plastic car? What is this? This is some bullshit. <laughs> what is this car? Like, they know about metal. boats. Like, if you don't know about cars, I yeah, bet exactly. it just looks like a jumble of plastic. Yes. You don't even know what a car is. They don't know right. what or the care. wheel is. Yeah. They don't know what a wheel is. <laughs> what a stupid idea. Bring them <laughs> arrows. That's what they want. Well, mm-hmm. they brought metal. coconuts, a live okay. pig, aluminum mm-hmm. cookware. Poor pig. 
brought the dead pig already. And a doll. <laughs> Can you imagine how terrifying mm. that would be? I have to think that the car and the doll was for, for the children. Yeah, I'm sure. But still, they don't know what those things are. They don't know. I guess the doll is a little more fun. understandable. Because, like, you know, a hum- they know what a human body looks like. Sure. But also, they were probably like, why would I want this? Right. Or like, why Miniature. is she something not moving things? In these weird clothes. <laughs> yes. Something functional. So the Cincinnati's uh, continued to shoot arrows at them while they're trying to leave these gifts. And they even hit the documentary director in the thigh with an arrow. Oh. He survived. Um, well, sure. It's a thigh wound. <laughs> it's a thigh wound. It's a mere thigh wound. It's just flesh, flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> The man who shot the director was reported to have laughed proudly while the rest of the islanders then speared the pig and buried the doll. Okay. (laughs) They buried the doll. I told you. I'm going to knock off a star for your story because an animal died. They left the pig there for them to eat. That's why they they just killed it already or like brought one that was dead. Because they they had seen pig bones. So they knew that they ate pigs. So that's why they were bringing the pig. Here's what they should have done. You waited pig. <laughs> for a pig to die of natural causes and then take that one to the island. What if they wanted to keep that one as a pet? They speared it right away and buried that damn doll. I knew the doll was going to be a problem. They probably thought it was like some evil. Think about the wildlife thing. though on that island. Like they, they probably are running out of food. You think? I don't think they they care or have a problem with it. Mm. To be honest with you, they did take the coconuts and the cookware back to their huts though, and seemed pleased by these gifts. So the this expedition in 1974 buried the damn doll though <laughs> they buried the doll they're like what is this this thing's creepy <laughs> I don't want it they buried the car too like, that doll is this. haunted <laughs> right now <laughs> so this expedition led to the very first photo of the Sentinelese and it was published in National Geographic magazine hmm. so during the 70s and the 80s Pandit had several visits to the island as an expert advisor. He would lead a lot of parties there. Again, he's trying to continue to try to start friendly relations with them. Sometimes he would get a friendly reception. Um, He always would leave gifts for them, but some receptions were violent. Some were documented on film, such as when he was there in 1987 and 1992. Sometimes they would wave at him, almost as if they recognized him and remembered him. But other times they would turn their backs and assume a defecating posture which he took as a sign that they were not welcome at that time. Not the sharp position. <laughs> so, like, they're just, like, hands on knees. Yeah. Turned their, and showed their butts. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, okay, we're not welcome. We shouldn't go. I get your sign language. <laughs> I will not come. I mean, he studied them for decades, and I think he probably understood them more than anybody. So he's like, let's not do this. But also, I think that's, like, a pretty universal sign of, like, they're mm-hmm. shitting on not us. Not interested. <laughs> Please don't come near me. I'm not interested today. Thank See, you. If, if you walk towards me and I instantly turn around and like, just take a hint. I'm like, okay, Sarah is not in the mood for visitors right now. <laughs> She's going to be talked to today. I'm just going to leave her my Stay gifts away. and go. Here's <laughs> a car. Me, leave my doll. Here's a plastic car and a doll. <laughs> so they would rush out of the jungle. They would grab the gifts real quick and then they would attack them with arrows Sometimes thanks, but pew. <laughs> they would sway their penises at them. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I don't think fun. that was a welcome gesture either. It's also like the sharp position, I think. Well, 
don't know. It's kind of a fun gesture. It's a dance. <laughs> like, hey. It's like their version of the middle fingers. They just don't know what it means. Oh, you know? their middle yeah. finger. Ooh. Got it. Right. You got it. So Panda, even at one point, he brought people from another tribe, the tribe of Anj, to connect with them because he thought, hey, maybe, like, look, we've befriended this tribe. Let's bring them here and show them that we can be friendly. But it did not go well. Mm-mm. And it just angered <laughs> the Sentinelese. And it was noted that they could not communicate with each other at all. Right. Even though they had similarities in how they lived, their languages were completely different. In 1981, um, there was a boat called the MV Primrose, and it was carrying cargo of chicken feed from Bangladesh to Australia and hit some rough seeds and became stranded off the island. Some seas? Some seas. Is that what I said? Rough seeds. <laughs> rough seeds. Sunflower seeds. seeds in particular are kind of rough. Seed. Hit chicken some rough feed. seeds. <laughs> chicken feed hit the rough seed. Yes, they did. So they get stranded and it does not go well. So the captain sends out Sensing a distress a call. Mm-hmm. You can't go in their seas. You can't go in their ocean. <laughs> Just stay away. Stay away. Honestly. <laughs> the captain drops his load and then he goes back. <laughs> this captain stays with his crew, which I respect. He went down with his ship. He, well, oh, okay, well, he sent out a distress call. And he said, I'm hey. distressed. <laughs> send Hail. us some firearms. <laughs> There's Hail. these people attacking us. Yeah. They want to, like, helicopter drop some guns. That's what they were asking for, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this... He said that there was at least 50 armed islanders who were trying to board their ship. That's quite a few. But it was a the rough seas. Yeah, it was rough. So the strong waves were preventing the canoes from actually reaching their ship. And okay. their arrows could not penetrate the ship. So they're just shooting arrows at them. <laughs> well. So the crew with the captain had about 31 men on board. And they managed to hold off the sentinelese with whatever they could find on board. So flare guns axes they took pipes apart and were using that to whack at them jeez basically whatever they could to defend themselves and they survived for a week before they were finally evacuated by a civilian helicopter that the indian naval forces hired what a week a week <laughs> it took a week took for the so long? indian naval to come to their rescue <laughs> that's really like maybe they were just like Ugh, I'm wondering really if it's because <laughs> like they keep talking about a storm and all these rough seas. So I'm oh, wondering if it was just terrible weather conditions. <laughs> but really still. Sad. I think really they were just like, I don't know, man. It, do your best. Do you want to get shot out there? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't really want to go. It does kind of come to that where they're like, listen, the risk of yeah, not worth it. Mm. So the Sentinelese, once... The crews evacuated. They scavenged that abandoned ship and mm. were able to find iron, and they used this for weapons. So this is kind of a big deal because this is when they really realized what metal they is. Like the metal. Yeah. They liked the metal. And there was a lot of shipwrecks that would happen near their oceans, and that's how they would get all the metal and get all of this iron. There was a scrap dealer. His name was Muhammad, and he was given access from the government to go and basically dismantled this shipwreck from the primrose and he said that he had very friendly exchanges with the sentinelese he would give them fruit and metal scraps and they would come in their canoes to the wreck at low tide and get this stuff from him Hmm. so he was quoted as saying quote after two days in the early morning when it was low tide we saw three sentinelese canoes with about a dozen men about 50 feet away from the deck of the primrose 
We were skeptical and scared and had no other solution but to bring out our supply of bananas and show it to them to attract them and minimize any chance of hostility. Show me your banana. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very impressive. But like, maybe they've never seen bananas before. They took the bananas and came up on board of the primrose and were frantically looking around for smaller pieces of metal scrap. They visited us regularly, at least twice or thrice in a month, while we worked at the site for about 18 months. That's such an annoying word. Who uses <laughs> thrice, thrice, thrice ever? So that was 1981. So 1991, this is the very first instance of peaceful contact that Peace. was recorded. Love. And this was led by Indian anthropological teams again, including the very first time that a woman was introduced to them. Okay. And her name was Madhumila Chattopadva. I like it. Thank you. I tried. I know you did. Um, Pandit. <laughs> good old Pandit. He's on this expedition as well. He's still doing it. So yeah. on January 4th, 1991, the Sentinelese approached the party in the ship um, without weapons for the first time ever. Pandit and the crew had some coconuts that they offered to them. <laughs> <laughs> but again, the Sentinelese retreated to the shore when the team asked them to come closer. So they were like gesturing for them to come closer and they were like, no thanks. So they retreated and they tried to come back to the island again later and found that there was at least two dozen Sentinelese on the shoreline. One had a bone arrow pointed at their boat, but a woman on the tribe pushed his arrow down and he buried his weapons in the beach as a sign of peace. Hmm. So they approached the boat for the first time ever. They were given five bags of coconuts. And this is important because this was the first physical contact that they had had with the outside world. So they were able to actually hand them the coconuts instead of just like laying them on the beach and then retreating. And it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, everyone who was involved in this has described it as a very emotional moment and that it was the first time that the Sentinelese tribe had ever been touched in a friendly manner. The one shining moment. The one shining moment after all of the years and yeah. centuries of hostility. So February 24th, they did a second expedition. And again, the Sentinelese appeared without weapons and approached the boats and took the coconuts from them. They were curious because they saw a rifle that was hidden on the boat mm -hmm. and they think that they were just curious because they saw it as iron and metal and didn't okay. actually know what it was yeah what would they how would they know what a gun was right so because of this friendly exchange they think that the sentinelese used to be visited by other tribes but who knows all of a sudden they were friendly okay so expeditions ended in 1994 this was in 1991 when they had the friendly expeditions so they did that for a couple years. In the 1994, they halted all expeditions, and the Indian government maintained a policy of no deliberate contact and said that they would only intervene if there was a case of a natural calamity or a natural disaster. Not a calamity. Not a calamity. <laughs> Can you please clarify what a calamity is? A natural disaster. <laughs> like okay. a tsunami that's coming up. So Pandit, good old Pandit, he said that the missions likely ended because they would not let anybody get near them. He said that the teams would wait for the Sentinelese to retreat and leave gifts on the shore, but the government feared all the contact by outsiders would soon harm them, like we talked about, introducing diseases and pretty much wiping out their entire population if they got a hold of the flu. 
They're right. goners. Oh, yeah. Um, because they don't have immunity to any of the common diseases that we have. And they thought, hey, we're going to kill them if we keep having contact with them. Yes. They're probably right. I mean, they're probably not wrong. So photos of that 1991 expedition that was friendly um, was removed from the public and the government restricted all of their use because they wanted to discourage anybody from going close to the island, which means they pulled the National Geographic photos. Ooh. 2004. So there was a tsunami. Yes, there was. Like you said, I am impressed that you remember that. Yeah. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. So it was in the Indian Ocean and it killed hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Um, it caused massive tectonic changes to the island. So the tsunami actually raised the seafloor by almost five feet, by four feet, 11 inches. <laughs> that is taller than me. <laughs> it raised it by a Boydston by level. <laughs> Boydston oh in an inch. <laughs> but this Your is... Your face when you realized it was her height. <laughs> It's you. What? Hey. I got so excited. It's irrelevant. (laughs) So this is important because it exposed the coral reefs to the air, which destroyed the shallow lagoons where they would fish. Mm. So various expeditions, um, they sent out aerial views, helicopters, all this stuff to try to make sure, hey, are they still alive? So they found at least 32 sentinelese that were scattered over three different places, but they did not find any bodies from the tsunami. So... Either nobody died on the island, or they took care of their dead and they buried them. Mm. Or they were swept out to sea. Yeah, it's a tsunami. Or they were swept out to sea. Who knows? So the reason I remember this is because Oprah was really big at the time. Mm-hmm. And she always had Nate Burkus on the show. Yes. And he has his own stuff now. But his fiance at the time, they were in India. Mm. And his fiance got swept out to sea and died. And he was on the show several times oh talking gosh. about it. Jeez. That's how I remember this whole thing. It's very unfortunate, but what is kind of amazing about the Sentinelese tribe is that they seem to be unaffected by the tsunami. Every time that they flew a helicopter over to see if they were okay, they responded the same way as they always had with hostile gestures mm-hmm. and yeah. shooting arrows. So the government was like, they're there. Yeah. They seem unaffected. They've survived. So they said, okay, let's stop doing expeditions. Yeah. And kind of just stopped it at that. I mean, I appreciate that the government was like, hey, let's check on them. See if they're alive. They don't want to be checked on. They don't want to be checked on, though. (laughs) They're like, please take a hint. Leave us alone. So probably the two most famous cases that people know the Sentinelese tribe for um, are the two murders that have happened on this island. So January 27th, 2006, Indian fishermen Sundar Raj and Pandit Tuwari a different Pandit, the one who has been going to see them, has been illegally harvesting crabs off of the island. So they drifted too close to the island after their boat's anchor failed one night and did not hear the warning calls from the passing fishermen or from, you know, the naval officers who were patrolling the waters. And when the Sentinelese tribe attacked them, they killed them with axes. Oh, God. Hmm. So they've evolved with their iron and now have axes. So the bodies were put on bamboo stakes facing out to sea like scarecrows or as a warning. That's horrifying. Woof. Mm-hmm. Gets worse. Three days later, the Indian Coast Guard helicopter finds the bodies. And when they tried to retrieve the bodies, they were attacked with spears and with arrows until the mission had to be abandoned. Um, people debated at this point whether the Sentinelese should be prosecuted for murder 
But one of the anthropologists who had been on all of these expeditions, um, his name was Pandya, he said that the Sentinelese have turned hostile because we've been giving them gifts and all these expeditions and visitors, and then all of a sudden just stopped. Yeah. And they got mad. And he said that all of these photos of hostility that the helicopter was capturing have been circulated, which is, again, negating all the friendly images that we have been trying to put out into public. So he was not happy about it. Hmm. But the most famous case, and the way that I heard about this, is of the missionary killing in 2018. Mm-hmm. Same. Yes, this is a very famous case, um, and it's it's sad and tragic, but it's also kind of fascinating, I think. Sure. So this is John Allen Chow, and he is a 26-year-old American who went to the island as a missionary. Um, in November 2018, he traveled to the island with the aim of living among them in the hope of converting them to Christianity. Mm. sent by the U.S.-based Christian Missionary Organization, All Nations. But he did not get the necessary permits required by the Indian government to even go to the island. So remember, it is a protected Indian government area. You cannot go there. He went there. So he paid local fishermen to take him to a point that was close enough to shore that he could continue the rest of the way in a canoe. And as he approached, he tried to communicate with the islanders and offered them gifts They were hostile, of course, and so he retreated. He tried again uh, a second time and said that they were, he wrote letters back home, so this is how we know how it went. He noted that they were meeting him with amusement, bewilderment, and hostility. He tried to sing worship songs to them and tried to speak to them in various languages, but he said that they did not understand him and communicated with lots of high-pitched sounds and gestures. Yeah, they weren't having it. They weren't. In one of his last letters, he said that he tried to give them fish and gifts, and a boy shot a metal-headed arrow that aimed at his chest, but he was holding a Bible in front of his chest, and it just pierced the Bible. So he again retreated after this visit. A few days later, on November 17th, on his last visit, he told the fishermen who were dropping him off to leave without him. Um, They did, but later they came back to check on him and saw that the islanders had dragged his body and then saw that his body was on the shore the next day. Uh Uh-oh. So they got the naval officers involved, and the fishermen, seven of them, were actually arrested for assisting him in getting to the island because this was illegal. Yeah, yeah. Um, A murder case was opened naming unknown individuals, but the Sentinelese were never charged. And the U.S. government did not even ask the Indian government to press charges against them. So Indian officials have tried several times to recover his body, but were unable to do so without being met with hostility. And it got to the point where they just decided that the risk of a clash and basically of someone getting hurt between the islanders and the officials was too great of a risk, and they ceased trying to get his body back. Wow. And that is kind of the story of the Sentinelese tribe. To it's this day, wild, honestly, they are still completely isolated and prefer to live that way. I mean, because by now, it they have the means, whoever has the means to take over the island if need if need be. Mm-hmm. But they choose not to. I mean, I feel and like we're doing should. more harm than no, good. No, I agree. I agree. Um, it's just interesting to me that they choose to keep it how it is. But I just think that that is fascinating. That there's this tribe out there in 2023 who knows nothing of the outside world. Nothing. Don't care. And yeah. choose to be like that. Yeah. And that 
I think it's great that the government protects that and is like, listen. That's what I'm saying. We're doing more harm than good when we try to talk to them. They're protecting this island as it is. And even though people, you know, happen upon their shores, they make it go. Mm-hmm. And they're not prosecuting them. They're and like, they're just listen, like, you should have known better. You, <laughs> like, you shouldn't have fucking done that. These waters in this island are protected. We've been trying to tell you that. Like, how do you years. prosecute someone who doesn't even know what the law is? You can't even communicate with this person. What are you going to do? Take him to trial? It's just really fascinating that this tribe has gone on so long yeah. without ever being mostly, for the most part, touched by the rest of civilization. Mm hmm. It's amazing. It's kind of cool in a way, even though they're very hostile. They're very hostile. But they're very protective of their own area. Yeah, which, I mean, they have a right to be. Right. So, mm-hmm. 10 out of 10, don't recommend going there. Nah. No, you can't. I mean, you Even if you can, try. You can. But you shouldn't. But you shouldn't. And it's very heavily enforced to not go near it for our own safety. Yeah. They know oh, yeah. it's not going to go well. Even the, like, pandit who spent three decades going to this island repeatedly, he even was like, yeah, sometimes they were super hostile towards me and they were shooting arrows at me. Yeah. And he knew them probably the best out of anybody else. Fascinating. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I've heard of this story, obviously, because of the missionary that was big in the news, I remember. Yeah. Good choice. Thank like you. To. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I don't really know if this is a smorgasbord episode, but we're going to talk about it. No, it's perfect for it. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for tuning in this week to our smorgasbord episode. You can always find us at thetipsyghost.com with our socials link from there. Or send us an email at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star rating or a great review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate it, and it really does help. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We will catch you next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.